Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men wala. Welcome everybody to the Sufina Society Nothing But Facts live stream. And today is Wednesday and if you're just new to the live stream uh, to the live stream and you don't know our schedule wednesday is the day of ijabat dua bayna dhuhri wal asr it is all about the time where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the muslims were under siege uh, and the prophet peace be upon him prayed in the daytime on monday he didn't get an answer he prayed on tuesday he didn't get an answer he finally made dua on wednesday and allah ta'ala sent him the good news that they will receive an answer. And as a result of that, the time of Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr has been deemed to be and considered as, uh, considered to be the time of Ijabat al-Dua. And that's how the great Sahabi Jabir ibn Abdullah treated it. And he said, any time that I had an issue, I would look for that time. That is Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr. And I would make Dua at that time. And the unique feature of this Dua is that you you see the effect of the answer if your dua is sincere and strong and you hit the you hit the mark because it's not the entire time between dhuhr and asr it's a window a gap of time between dhuhr and asr and if you hit that window then your dua will be answered and you will see a sign for it there will be an indicator that your prayer was answered so inshallah ta'ala we will open up with hizb nasr bismillah rahman rahim inna fatahna lak fatham mubina ليغفر لك الله ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر ويتم نعمته عليك ويهديك صراطا مستقيما وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجيها وجيا في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذوا سنة ولا نوم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض من الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم والله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح لهما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون 
عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست اسماؤه ولا اله غيره اللهم اني اجعلك في نحور ادائي واعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم اطفئ نار من اراد بعداوه من الجن والانس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب مع اعظم شانك واعز سلطانك تحسنت بالله وباسماء الله وبايات الله وملائكه الله وانبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حسنت نفسي بلا اله الا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه واله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفني بك نفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا اهلك وانت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل او نهار الا طارق يطرق بخير انك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله ارقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس ادب الباس اشفي انت الشافي وعافي انت المعافي لا شفاء الا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما ولا الما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نور من نورك وعزا من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهر وباطن وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين
يوسفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Is your Wi-Fi up? How's your Wi-Fi, Habibi? Do you have a subscription to the New York Times? Mm-mm. All right, today uh, we want to cover... I can't believe this Wi-Fi is just so annoying. Got to get the password for the stupid Wi-Fi. Huh? We threw away the manual. All the manuals, all, they're all online. Try to get the manual from online. Hey, Habib, could you do that? Look for the menu online. Get the stupid booster. All right, today is stories of the Ummah. Uh, uh, news of the Ummah, or we could say uh, the um, affairs of the Ummah. And I'm looking up a story here on the New York Times. Uh, a story that is really, really just infuriating. It's about a, an army soldier who you think at the beginning of the story that it's good. The beginning of the story, uh, these army soldiers, they, they make a massive blunder. And to be honest with you, it's stupid. There's no excuse for it. And it's a loss of life. Essentially what happens is they get intel that there's uh, some terrorists. They go to check out these terrorists and they see a man and a woman coming out of a house. This man and a woman are shuffling something inside their, uh, their jackets, right? They're shuffling something inside their jackets. Immediately, this patrol group of American uh, soldiers, boom, they fire at them. They fire at them, just like that. When they fire at them, just like that, they come out. What is there? They killed the guy. They killed the mom. And what do they find? Hit the ground? A baby. Screaming baby. Subhanallah. And this screaming baby, then one of the soldiers, he just feels so terrible about what he's done. So he takes her. He takes her back to the base. It's like, wait a second, hold on a second. Why are you taking her to the base? Doesn't she have family? Afghanis all have like 50 people in the family. Cousins and in-laws and mothers and fathers and grandfathers and all that. He takes her back to the eight, uh, to the base, and he he, he he convinces the family. He does communicate with the family. He says, "We're going to take her back to heal her, right?" Because she, she was wounded in the shooting. When they get back to the base, they don't hear from him. Oh, when they get back to the country, he does take her to the hospital. They don't hear anything from him ever again. They're like, wait, wait a second, this is a kidnapping. Now they're in court. He said, "I have adopted her." She's a stateless child, right? Because te- terrorists are stateless. They're not considered part of any state. She's a stateless child. And she's mine. And now they're going to court. And the judge himself is like, I, I, the judge himself is like, how is this even a case? Right? These clearly, uh, is, how could it be a stateless child? Right? Uh, you brought her over. Kidnapping a state, claiming she's a stateless child, but then you're telling us that she's you're adopting her. You, how do you adopt a stateless child? In any of oh, right, what'd you do? I think so. So let's get the story here uh, from the New York Times. Um, Afghan girl, she's a couple, maybe hitting around two years old now. 
Yeah, to, to get healed. And he brought the family back. Well, maybe it didn't. Uh, it spoke too soon. Um, brought the family back. Uh, the family came in too. But there was no, no mention of uh, no, no handing her back. So I want to read you the details because this and see if there's any updates. Yeah. Yeah, could, uh, log into yours. Oh, I can't remember my password to be honest with you. My New York Times password. Who knows? But uh, Too many passwords in the world these days. It's really crazy. Right, read me any comments or questions while I while I roll this up. How was that? You think? I thought that part that it was really good. I thought the part that you added about the guy who killed him made Toba. If you watch this the the movie about Malcolm X, the guy who killed him, um, or it's pretty much the predominant theory is that this guy killed him. Uh, that guy. He lived in New Jersey and lived in Newark, New Jersey. A lot of people know him and know of him uh, within that community. And they know that without saying anything that he's the guy who pulled the trigger right dead center in front of Malcolm X. And this is all in the, M in the Netflix documentary about Malcolm X. Who killed Malcolm X? Well, that guy, he became a Sunni Muslim. Okay. And he joined a Sunni mosque and he made Hajj. And he died um, shortly, you know, uh, before this documentary. So I was thinking to myself, I th that to me, if you ask me, that's Allah saved him from the humiliation. And he died upon Hajj, right? He died upon Hajj. So what else could you want uh, in terms of make the, the, this man, you know, like repenting? I, th I believe... We believe in Toba. We don't believe someone just gets canceled, right? That's not a thing. Halas, one sin, and you can never... Of course, it's a terrible sin. But there has to be a sense of uh, an ability to make Toba. And who's to say he didn't make Toba? Like, he made Hajj. What do people do when they make Hajj, right? They make Toba. So that's, uh, that was my hopeful interpretation of the whole thing. That's my hopeful interpretation of it, that he made Toba. Right. All right, it looks like we're not getting internet connection today. I can't believe this. I don't have a phone to uh, look up the manual. All right, just from your from there, read me the comments, and we'll just do comments today until I could, could look this stupid thing up. I cannot believe this. Subhanallah. Let's look at this, uh, this missile thing. I think that's like... The Russian... Uh, I think it's kind of relevant. Read it to us. You're going to read us the news today. Until I until I get onto the Wi-Fi. I, I was sitting, you know, I was sitting in my class, like Wednesday class, mine like a political class. Yeah. Of course, the Democrats. So at first, the first person raised their hand and they said, "Oh, it was a Russian. They intentionally bombed the Poland people, and two people got killed." And then the teacher said, "Actually, I think it was a Ukraine missile defense missile by accident." And then mm. the third person said, "Actually, they're saying it wasn't a Ukraine." So like. It's kind of... Uh, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows. In, in war and stuff like this, no one has a clue what, what's going on. Yeah, give me, give me, give me. You found it? Good job. Here, here it is, folks. An Afghan couple who arrived in the U.S. as refugees are suing a U.S. Marine and his wife in federal court for allegedly abducting their baby girl. 
The baby has been pulled from the rubble two years earlier after her parents and five siblings. Listen to this. Do you think Adab is not coming? Parents and five siblings. You want to move this over? There. Parents and five siblings were killed. Seven people you killed. You don't think Adab of Allah is coming down? And if it doesn't just come down, it, sometimes it comes in general. Unbelievable. Parents and five siblings were killed during a U.S. military raid. By the way, which they realized, oh shoot, he's just passing by. He has nothing to do with terrorism. After months of treatment in a U.S. military hospital in Afghanistan, the girl who had uh, gone to live with uh, a newlywed Afghan couple identified by the International Committee of Red Cross, uh, blah, 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 as her relatives. Okay, But unbeknownst to the couple, the court order's records say a U.S. Marine Corps attorney on temporary assignment in Afghanistan learned of the baby while she was still in the hospital. With his wife back home in Virginia, he felt compelled to adopt the Afghan baby. Why? So he could raise it on the Christian faith. So that's where I thought to myself, well, the guy, he feels bad. No problem, right? He feels bad. He went over, he's a bit overzealous. He feels so guilty uh, of, of what he did. And at the end, and then it, the plot twist, this is all about raising her on the Christian faith. I'm telling you, the right, they're crusaders. We got Komlut on the edges, in the middle, they're crusaders, right? If you go deep into them, they're hardcore Zionists and crusaders, okay? And they want nothing other than, like, we are not their friends. Not in any way, shape, and form are we their friends, okay? The little girl is now three and a half years old. She finds herself at the center of high-stakes tangle of at least four court cases, the ordeal has drawn in the U.S. Departments of Defense, Justice, and State, which have previously argued that the attempt to spirit away a citizen of another country could significantly harm military and foreign relations. The U.S. Marines and federal officials did not comment. The Afghan family has asked the court to shield their identity out of concerns for their family back in Afghanistan. And they agreed to communicate with the, with the Associated Press on condition of anonymity. While authorities were looking for, the Afghan, for her Afghan relatives, attorney Josh Mast, represented by his brother Richard Mast, told a Virginia State Circuit Court judge that the baby was a stateless war orphan. Okay. The, they assured the judge that Afghan President Ashraf Ghani himself was planning to sign a waiver of jurisdiction within days. How is she stateless war orphan when her relatives are right there in the court? Her relatives are in the court watching this proceeding. The state judge agreed and granted Josh and his wife custody, naming them as guardians on a birth certificate. That waiver never arrived, and Gunny's aide told AP earlier this month that there was no record of any discussion about this. They lied about, about this. There was, there's no record of this discussion, they say. Further, he said such a request would have to go through the courts, not straight to the president. What is this? Right? Furthermore, Islamic law would prohibit handing over a Muslim baby to a non-Muslim family. There's no one in Afghanistan left that they can take care of this baby? Nonetheless, the documents have named her as the guardian. The mass turned to a federal judge in Virginia to stop the U.S. government from handing over the baby 
Okay. Justice Department attorney stepped in and said the state adoption was invalid. See, this is the thing. You can't just say America, right? Because the country is divided into different branches and different courts and different people. And some of them are extremely, and they're not all supporting each other. So here you got one guy, he's doing something terrible. He fooled one court by saying that it's just a matter of time before the president, Ghani, signs off on it. Then another court says, this is all nonsense. It's invalid. So you, you, that's why the, the, when you have a country that's so big, you can't just lump it all as, you know, as one. Now, this, the Afghan couple, in other words, the, the relatives that are coming to say that we're the right for, for, for guardians of this baby, they had no idea what's happening in the U.S. courts. They wept with joy when they met their seven-month-old baby. We didn't think she would come back to her family alive, the young Afghan man said. It was the best day of our lives. Now, over the next two years, the Afghan couple say, they settled in as a family and raised the baby in, a Muslim, uh, in their Muslim and Afghan uh, culture. The woman who speaks three languages, including English, she's not some fool, that's oh, Afghan, as if it's the girl in the picture. You know that girl in the 1980s picture with the orange scarf and the green eyes? And she's like freaked out, right? They, got, they, they put this portrait up so many times, people hear the word Afghan and they think some illiterate farmer somewhere. People aren't idiots, okay? So she says, um, the husband was working in a medical office. We had such fond memories the time we adopted this or we took in this baby. She loved showing off her new clothes, loved getting henna on her hands, blah, blah, blah. We did makeup, we brushed hair, right? And she tried to do it for me, i do it for her. You know, women's stuff. Uh, though the baby remained in Afghanistan, Josh and Stephanie Mast had given the growing toddler a Western name in a U.S. state court according to court records. They finalized the adoption, enrolled her in the Defense Department's healthcare system, and scheduled an appointment with doctors. Mast kept in touch with the Afghan couple, offering to bring their child to the U.S. for medical care. So initially, they went with the cousins. Then Mast says, uh, let's go to, uh, let's take this baby. He adopted her in the courts on paper. Then he said, let's take the baby for medical care. Now the couple said, ah, this is too, too much of a journey, right? But last summer, okay, the U.S. started withdrawing out of Afghanistan Amid erupting violence and instability, Mast offered to get the couple and their little girl evacuated to the U.S. So this, he's talking to them, which completely negates his stateless child of war theory, claim, how she's stateless, child of war. That means in the middle of a battlefield, you see a baby, right? And there's no one else in sight. That's a stateless child of war. He's talking to them. He says, we'll pay for the whole trip, you all three of you come. It's a ruse. Okay. And we'll give the girl her medical attention. And they're like, okay, great. So the uh, exhausted Afghan family arrived at the airport in Washington, D.C. Right. They alleged in court filings, mass pulled them out of international arrivals okay, and led them into an inspecting, uh, to an inspection office. They were surprised when mass presented an Afghan passport for the child but it was the last name printed on the document that stopped them cold. The last name was Mast. They didn't know it, but that would be the last time they see their baby. It's a straight kidnapping. This guy should be lashed if not killed. Okay. 
just a few days later, okay, the Afghan couple was then, you know, ushered to a hotel and said, oh, you're going to get your baby in a second. They're never going to see this baby again. Or, well, uh, hopefully the court will change that. They began the resettlement process. Oh, the resettling permanently. I didn't realize that. They alleged that masks conf- mass confronted them, took the girl that was two and a half years old and drove off. The mass insists in court documents that they are her legal parents and they try to protect her. What? So you just, they, they've asked the judge to dismiss the lawsuit claiming the Afghan couple are not her lawful parents. Mass attorney cast doubt on whether the Afghans were even related. But the Afghan couple is not giving up. After they took her, our tears never stopped, the woman said. Right now we are just dead bodies. Our hearts are broken. He should be executed, him and his wife, okay, for doing this. We have no plans for a future without her. Food has no taste. Sleep gives us no rest. Unreal. Unreal. Let's see another article about this. It's a straight abduction. What are the comments, Rai, on, 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 on Instagram and, and Facebook and all that? Give us some comments. Keith Latius asking if kidnapping the girl back would be allowed. Of course, it, it's, you're, you're, it's not kidnapping. That's your rightful property. Not property, but it's your rightful child. It's not kidnapping. The word kidnapping is the wrong word. There's no kidnapping here. That is your kid. That's yours. And if someone steals a $500 of mine, and I go snatch it back, put my hand in his pocket and take it back, it's not theft. It's, it's my rightful property. In this case, it's a right for, for their daughter. Yeah. Country, they don't know like they don't know anything. They don't know anything. Like, Nothing. Total lion's den. I mean, if you ask me about court proceedings here, it's the biggest headache. Just uh, to expel a tenant. By the way, I'm at war with these tenants. <laughs> they have stunk up the place with this. They're cooking, and they don't put on fans. They don't open the windows, and we're we're gonna smoke them out. I'm smoking them all out. Right? I'm going to put before every single day until this place starts to smell good because what they've done. Uh, they don't open windows when they cook. They don't have any concept of any smoke. like before. They have no concept of that. And I'm suffering. We're all suffering. So it's war. I'm going to smoke them out. It's me versus them. And we'll see in two weeks we're going to change the whole smell of this, this place. Oh, it's the same exact AP article that we just read. All right, Afghan couple claims Marine abducted their baby in U.S. pullout. This is um, New York Post, which is a joke of a paper, but let's just see what they have to say. Yeah. <laughs> they took a baby. They left tanks. A Marine who helped an Afghan couple bring a young girl to America for medical care has been accused of abducting the child. In a lawsuit filed last month, the couple alleged Marine Corps attorney Josh Mast gave officials an Afghan passport for the girl that bore his own last name when they uh, arrived into Washington in August of 2021. But look how long it takes. This happened in August 2021. It's just hitting the media now, and the case is going to be probably like two years. They're going to be gray-haired, by the time this is done. And half their life is, is gone. 
Five days after they arrived on U.S. soil, uh, Mass returned with custody papers he'd er, gr- been granted right, uh, years earlier. So he lied on papers. So the court said, okay, well, you're a military guy, probably telling the truth. Gave him the, the, the paper on name. And Stephanie Mast is his daughter, uh, his wife. She's a co-conspirator in this. She also should be punished. False, and, 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 and things that have to do with cruelty to babies and kids, I find it much, you're much more guilty in my view if you're a woman. Like your heart should be much softer. Like you, can't you, can you imagine if this happened to you? Like a guy, fine, his heart is hard. Especially a military guy, he's got a hard heart. But you're a mother too. Or you're a woman too who understands the, like, what a mother would care, uh, would feel. The girl is now three and a half years old, has been at the center of several lawsuits, okay? And uh, she was supposedly rescued after U.S. forces killed her parents and five siblings. What are you else going to do to this girl, right? She's going to grow up to, if she grows up, continues in this case, in this life, right? Who knows how she's going to turn out? You killed seven? You have a family of eight. You killed seven and then you kidnap her from her family. And then you wonder why people have mental issues. Following the tragedy, the orphan two months, she was two months at the time. She was rushed to a medical uh, facility in Afghanistan on American um, military, you know, at a base. U.S. Embassy in Kabul then met with representatives from the Red Cross and the Afghan government and the American military, uh, all headed by mast, like he's heading all these meetings. And they came to the agreement that the U.S. should do everything possible, right? And they should bring this family to America to get medical treatment and have a, a new life. We killed seven of their family. Okay. But in the beginning, though, the U.S. government and the Red Cross said, wait a second, what, what do you, what's your business? That's in the beginning. They said, what's your business? She has a family here. She has cousins and relatives. He's, he then went and got U.S. papers saying that he's the actual rightful guardian and he's adopting her. And he said, this is an act of Christian faith. All right. And he went off to appeal to high-ranking Trump administration officials to ensure that the adoption went through. He became obsessed, essentially. Go adopt someone else. I think the couple always messed up. Yeah, the couple's messed up in the head. One thousand percent, that's part of it. And they must be part of some cuckoo church. You know, there's a lot of cuckoo churches out there. Yeah. A lot. There's like five million churches just in general. Yeah. All this different new Baptist, new reform. Yeah. There's updated Oriental. There's all these new churches, and then when you look at like, they're talking. They they oftentimes talk a lot about the end times, right? They talk a lot about the end times, but then when you look at the what the guy looks like, I expect if you're talking about the end times, you should look the part. Like, you should look like it. You should, like, have some Christian... The Christians don't have clothes anymore. But you, I see these videos. Uh, the end times, the Antichrist is coming. The guy looks like an accountant. He's, like, dressed like... It, it, there's, it's completely modern. There's no sense of tradition. Which is... The reason it's, like, uh, uh, antithetical is because where did you get that information about the Antichrist? Isn't it through ancient scriptures? So why isn't there any trickle of that ancient spiritual culture... Like in your in your clothes, in your language, right? It's all in English, it's all translated, and it's all uh, uh, completely modernized. 
It just it's so antithetical. It just looks out of place. So the mass claimed that the child, child's father killed his family by detonating a suicide vest, whereas records show the opposite. So he, the mass claimed that the guy was a terrorist who blew themselves up. Okay. Whereas records show the girl's parents were innocent farmers and they were casualties of a U.S. attack. They were civilians. The Virginia custody order was granted after the mass claimed the Afghan government intended to waive jurisdiction over the child. So the, the, the Virginia custody uh, order okay, said that, okay, halas, there's no custody over the child, so whoever takes her gets it. First, finders keepers. Then when, it, when this paper reached higher government courts, they said, no. It's not that easy. It's not finders keepers here. They rejected it. The Red Cross then is involved. They found the child's cousin, which is the man, and his wife. And they decided this is their rightful uh, family. And that's when they reunited the eight-month-old with them in Afghanistan. So Mast, he's playing this paperwork game in America. Red Cross is like, what is it? Their cousins are right there. Give them to the cousins. Okay, then Mass was worried that the child may object, may be in an objectively dangerous situation. This is some kind of white man's burden nonsense, right? This is white man's burden stuff. Like I, I got to take this baby away and, and and raise her properly, right? On the baby's second birthday, a phone call was facilitated between the couple and Mast. He warned them if the child didn't receive medical attention in the U.S., she could become blind brain damaged, and permanently disabled. The Afghan man now raising her had hard uh, uh, had worked in the medical field, and he did not think her burn scars, leg injury, and uh, any allergic reaction were as threatening as Mast described. So the, de- the couple declined to send her over. Like hung up on his face, basically. Who afflicted that? Like, exactly. That? You guys <laughs> afflicted <laughs> it. You should be paying them. Yeah. Dear. Later that summer, the Taliban seized power. Mass contacted the couple again and said, bring the baby, and this time you can come with them. They said, all right, we'll get a better life in America. Let's go. While at a stopover in Germany, the Mass tried to get the couple to allow the baby to travel separately three times. Okay, And the Afghan couple alleged this in the lawsuit. When they arrived in Washington, D.C., Mass took out an Afghan passport that contained a photo of the child and his own last name. A woman who called herself a social worker arrived and informed the couple that the Masts were the legal guardians. This is some, like, uh, rejecting what you see nonsense that's now a norm. Like, your eyes see something right away, right in front of you, and just because it's on paper, what's heavier? What your eyes see or what's on a piece of paper? So, in, uh, so the child was taken out of the car and placed into mass car where his wife was waiting. In response to the lawsuit, the mass acknowledge they took custody of the child, but say that their adoption order from Virginia was valid, although a higher court had invalidated it, rendering it to be abduction. This Afghan couple is now living in Texas and they've asked the judge in Virginia to reserve, reverse the adoption. Man, we need to get it to the bottom of this. May Allah Ta'ala really give this, this couple what they deserved. Both of them. 
um, they got to get the, their baby back, but they also, subhanAllah, have to... Um, this parent, this this family has to be has to be punished big time. It's, it's like completely unacceptable. Oh man, it, I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure it happens all the time. And then they wonder why people become like radical. Oh, you wonder why people get radical. You wonder why people hate your country and hate you, and and want to see all these punishments inflicted upon you. You wonder why, uh, but. You kill seven and kidnap one. Like, seriously. What the heck? Uh, uh, these Afghan people, how do they survive mentally? Like, if I had a family of 20, right? If I had a family of 20, which is like, um, my family's four, another family's four, another family's like eight, and then seven of us get eliminated in one moment, we'd all be like seeing, I need to talk to a sheikh, I need to talk to a therapist. Like, my mind would be like spinning. If you, if you, if one of us lost one relative in the middle of their life, that could put you in a tailspin for a couple of years. If you're not like grounded, grounded, and, and Allah help, you need Allah's help. But it's really abs- absurd. I knew, uh, I knew someone that lost their father when they were like fourteen. Yeah. Until this day, like they still like it's like it's fresh, like it just happened like yesterday. Subhanallah. That's how they speak of it. Wow, subhanAllah. I, I truly, honestly only believe uh, intensive dhikr is the only thing that will will purify your heart from the long-lasting scars that will damage your life, that like will allow you not to live anymore. All right. All right, what do we want to read from Five Pillars? This is interesting. East London Mosque Imam justifies praising the Queen. Cannot believe these people. What's wrong with you? What would you praise her for? Imam Muhammad Mahmoud, he published a statement saying there is no Islamic prohibition on praising non-Muslims. Yeah, you could praise a quality. It's no problem. But what is the Queen's quality exactly? Like, what did she do in the world, in life? Do we know? Does anyone know what she did? She's just a figurehead, right? That's my view of it. The imam stood at uh, stood down as a prayer leader at the mosque following protests by the congregation for his own safety. Uh, the jama'a went crazy. I love these old school uncles. Parts of the congregation accused the imam of blasphemy after he praised the queen at the London Central Mosque days after her death in September. They said the queen... He, they said the queen was the head of an institution that was responsible for brutal colonization of Muslim lands. The protesters were also unhappy that Muslim children were encouraged to sing God Save the King. Oh, in, in, in the mosque. Oh, in the mosque. What kind of stupidity is this? Oh. Following his response... Hey, don't say anything. You don't have to curse her and you don't have to praise her. Following, You think she cares about you? Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> You love them. Allah says, Here, you love them and you chase after them and they don't like you. They don't like you. They don't love you. What have they done for you? Following his response, his detractors still maintain he is unfit to lead the community. Of course he is. At the London Central Mosque event, he's, the Imam said, Character is what one is known by and the actual legacy which outlives her accomplishments. What accomplishments? Taking a salary and showing up to events and jubilees the outpouring of grief and emotion 
is not something that can be staged and rarely has been repeated over the course of history. What are you smoking? This is because it was Her Majesty's character that shone brighter than her crown. Oh, he's waxing poetic now. This is his speech at uh, like some kind of khutbah or speech. An event, it says, at the London Central Mosque, which is Baker Street Mosque, if you ever know about Baker Street. Yeah, like two blocks down from Sherlock Holmes's house. In his recent statement justifying his actions, he said, the personal attack against me which have circulated recently aimed not to only malign my character, but question my very belief in Allah. I don't question your character or your belief in Allah. I question your IQ and your sanity, right? Like, this is the hill you want to die on. You're going to lose your career over this. Uh, the, what, what, which, which mosque are we saying this was? East London Mosque. You know the East London Mosque? London Central Mosque is the big mosque, but nothing goes on there, right? It's just a big mosque. Lon East London Mosque is the biggest, most active masjid in all of Europe, I'm telling you. It's, uh, right, imagine MCMC times 10. That's, that's East London Mosque. It's a Daisy, all Daisy Mosque. But they are so active. They got any activity you can imagine, they have it, right? They're extremely active. Huh? Dio Bandi Light, I would say. Yeah, can you pull up the picture? Yeah, pull it up. By the way, they own, the, like, Muslims there own, like, the whole street corner, uh, st uh, 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 blocks, mul multiple blocks. Look at the size of this place. Look at that. Look at this. See those buildings? The Muslims own all those. All the ones like All those buildings, they own them and they live in them. When schools, homes, stores, restaurants. That's the East London Mosque. When you walk there, you learn Bengali. No English. Yeah. And it's in the middle of London. Right? That's the East London Mosque. You're going to lose your career over this. I'm right to question your sanity. Am I right or wrong? Miskin, yani, he's our Muslim brother, but he's done something crazy. Just bad for him. And why are you digging in? You don't know this person. You never traveled with her, dealt with her in money, or lived with her. How are you saying anything about her character? If not for the gross misunderstanding of divine text, prophetic statements, and sayings of the Ummah scholars, I would have continued to ignore every malicious accusation leveled against me. But under the instruction of my Mashaykh, who have made clear that my silence is an injustice to the Sharia, I am compelled to make this statement in defense of Allah's deen. What a spin job. So malpraising the queen is a defense of Allah's deen. He's, he now defends himself. On 15th September 2022, I, I'm, by the way, I'm reading this as comedy. I have nothing against the brother. This is comedy to me. Or not maligning him, I'm just reading the news. Yeah, and he didn't, uh, to me, this is not kufr. This is just stupidity. That you lost your position at the East London Mosque. Anyone would have loved to have that influential position. And on what? This is what you're going to die on? So now he's going to the other central mosque, the Regent's Park Mosque, which Regent's Park is where, like, all the political correctness happens. East London Mosque, like, it's Dean happens there, from my recollection. Speaker's Corner. Speaker's Corner? Yeah. That's in Hyde Park. Hyde Park is closer to London Central Mosque. Yeah. So he says, I delivered a short speech at a commemoration event for the late queen. Why don't you say Rahimahullah? Right? <laughs> so all praise, but we can't say Allah have mercy on her. What's the point? <laughs> right? 
In the speech, I quoted the following words. You are Allah's witnesses on the earth. So we witness her kufr. What is there? Is there any virtue beyond that? Right? In light of my referencing of this hadith, which is totally out of place, I have been accused of apostasy and hypocrisy. Wait a second. What about all the Muslims witnessing you? Right? So you are Allah's witnesses on the earth. Okay? So you're one guy witnessing for the queen. How about the whole mosque witnessing against you? I mean, doesn't that apply? Doesn't the hadith apply to him too? Listen, brother, if you're listening to this, there's nothing personal about you. This is just a hilarious story to me. In light of my referencing this hadith, I've been accused of apostasy and hypocrisy. No, that's too much. Which we seek refuge in Allah from. The following clarifies the meaning of being Allah's witnesses. Uh, in addition to the ruling of praising a non-Muslim before and after their death. The claim that referencing the hadith in question can only mean one thing is not only simplistic but grossly informed, or worse, a deliberate distortion of the meanings deduced by Islamic scholars over the ages. No consensus or agreement has ever been reached by the scholars on the meaning of the hadith. He added, there is no legal text prohibiting the praise of worthy qualities possessed by a non-Muslim. In fact, fair enough. In fact, there is an overwhelming number of accounts in which the Messenger of Allah said and praised non-Muslims. Praised them for something they actually did. What did the queen do? Both during their lifetime and after their death. The Messenger loved and adored his non-Muslim uncle Abu Talib and grieved after his death. Abu Talib? Where is Abu Talib and Queen of England? (laughs) I love when people really try to stretch an excuse, right? (laughs) In his sirah, Ibn Ishaq mentions the story of Mukhayriq, a Jewish man who upheld his covenant with the Messenger ﷺ. And he died in battle against the Meccans. Okay, he did something in front of everybody. And when Muhammad ﷺ, Muhammad ﷺ, is he your friend on the street? Sayyidina Muhammad ﷺ, who was seriously injured in that battle, was informed about the death of Mukhayriq. He, he said he was the best of the Jews. Yeah, because he died in front of everybody. Right? He died in front of... What did she do? To clarify, my queen, my praise of the late queen, Elizabeth, was intended in the same spirit of our master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, praise of Mukhayriq. Qiyas, an analogy that is way off in left field. Any potential ambiguity in my speech can only be elucidated by myself, the speaker. The imam concluded, universal principles and virtuous values are deserving of praise regardless of who is characterized by them. Are you being paid for this? Admirable qualities do not belong exclusively to one group of people. Praise is not limited to friends and members of the same religious fraternity, but extended to those we differ with too. So why don't you also praise the perspective of the other Muslims who are criticizing you? Right? Wait, this is the Imam? He's the Imam of the East London Mosque. Just, uh, like, I remember running the conditions yesterday. Shouldn't the Imam not have a, like, a bad opinion in the... Of course, that's why he can't lead the prayer. He's fired. Yeah, he's done. You can't uh, lead the. You're unfit to lead. They said, yeah. because we hate you. Right? They they don't like you. I I don't I don't say call him munafik and call him murtad. They're, they're not they're not happy with you. So you can't lead them in salah anymore. Go pray somewhere else. Go go get the job with the political mosques. Okay, justice is putting everything in its rightful place and giving credit where credit is due, even to your detractor. Up, go give credit to the brothers at East London Mosque, right? <laughs> Who are rightfully upset. What the, what, the, what the British did, she's totally innocent of? Didn't the British commit atrocities during her reign, right? Are they, is she innocent of that? She's like an innocent 
uh, lamb that has no say, right? Muhammad Abdullah of the Tower Hamlets Muslim community. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tower Hamlets is also part of East London. East London is the is is was bombed in World War II, so the there's a new section there um, with all the banks and all the nice shiny buildings, and then there's a a section of for East London where all the Muslims live. Okay, he says. Muhammad Mahmoud released a statement in which he intended to clarify in response to the publications we had released addressing his evil actions. I wouldn't say evil actions, just foolish actions, stupid actions. It's clear he is unfit to be imam. He didn't respond to any of the evidence in our publications. Rather, it seems as though he's arguing with himself. He demonstrated how the scholars differed with regards to the explanation of the hadith he distorted. However, even with their differences... He was unable to show any of their statements align, aligning with his fabricated interpretation and thus continues to prove that not only did he fabricate an understanding of the narration, he continues to defend his stance by stating there is a difference in hope the readers will be fooled and let the issue go. In his previous response, he misquoted another narration where the Messenger stood up when the body of, Jew, of a Jew was taken past him. He used this narration to state holding memorials just stand up if the body's going past you. This is not holding memorials for disbelievers. Uh, we respond to this lie with the clarification on the interpretation of the narration, yet it fell on deaf ears. This guy is correct, and the this imam is wrong. It was shocking to see an imam, a person who's meant to unite the community, was unable to accept this mistake, and he found frantically bringing straw man arguments trying to justify his action. I'm reading this so that people could see what happens when you when you you know you make decisions like this? He attempts to vilify and outcast anyone who opposed him for his abhorrent actions by vilifying us as extremists, a tactic used by the enemies of Allah when attempting to use a div- to divide and conquer. Rather, what is known and what and was clearly demonstrated in our protest against him is that this is a communal effort to remove him, a gathering that had youth uh, as young as sixteen and elderly over seventy years old. This imam claims that the national anthem is a dua. It's being paid. Does one really need to approach a scholar of Islam to know that this statement is nonsense? I like this guy. (laughs) The question would be posed, if it were a dua, is it permissible to stand in a gathering like the gathering of Christians on Sunday for dua? The response from the Muslim world as a whole, with the minor exception here, and there was disgust. This is the response of the Muslim world as a whole. He claims in his statement, if not for the gross misunderstanding of divine text, so we're all dummies and he, he, he understands. The prophetic statement and the saying of the Ummah scholars, I would have continued to ignore every malicious accusation leveled against me. But under the instructions of my Mashaykh, who are these Mashaykh? Bring us your Mashaykh who are, who are praising the Queen all day and all night and making dua for her. He says, I'm compelled to defend the deen. Why did he write a response which was leaked on the 18th of September, if he was ignoring this malicious accusations. And who are these mashayikh? <laughs> uh, I love how you make a decision on your own, and then when your back is against the wall, you reach out, mashayikh, mashayikh, my mashayikh. Where, can you name them? This one is not, it's not a hill to die on. This is not a hill to die on. This is nothing. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry, I made a mistake. Yeah. You know. Ah, sorry, I got carried away, that's all. 
That's it. I got carried away. What, nobody else gets carried away? Everyone gets carried away. Right? That's it. I got carried away. Khalas. End it right there. Instead of... And you got yourself... Uh, you don't understand uh, how active the East London Mosque is. To be part of that community is a blessing. Right? In terms of, you know, its size and its... its what the value that it brings to that are... If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that's what I remember of it. Okay? In 2003, the Rand Corporation stated that there is a need to promote and bring about Mullah Bradley. This is an imaginary, just an, a term referencing the type of scholar that is politically aligned with Western ideologies. Exactly. Yep. Muhammad Mahmoud is a clear example of such an imam. Okay. How can the Muslim community accept such a person to lead one of the largest and most influential mosques in Europe? No, we don't have one. No, but it would be MCMC, multiply it by ten, and put it in the middle of a, of an inner city. Not an inner city like in poverty, but a cramped up city with tons of people around it. We don't have these masajid that you guys have in England because we don't have, um, we don't have. Uh, yeah, like we don't live like that. We live in more suburban areas where you have to drive to everything. All right, well, here's a nice little story, a nice fuzzy story. 11-year-old Muslim boy from Leeds, okay, achieves the maximum score he can in an IQ test, okay? He he got a 162. All right, so he's up there with Oz, basically, okay? he he, ah, He's here, subhanAllah. He just, Oz just walked in, subhanAllah. You heard what I said? (laughs) SubhanAllah. All right, so Yusuf Shah, he got he, he he's up there with you, Oz. He got a one sixty two. Congratulations, Yusuf. He's in year six, and he got a one sixty two. Everyone at school thinks I'm smart, and I have always wanted to know if I was the top two percent of the people who take the test. It's a difficult test to prepare for. We just did what we were already doing. Nothing specific. I still tell him your dad is still smarter than you. He says. We take it all lightheartedly. Even if you are talented, you have to be the hardest worker. They celebrated his son's achievement by going to Nando's. It's halal Portuguese chicken, grilled chicken. We need Nando's in America. So good. You had it in halal? Oh, nice. Yusuf's mother, Sana, said, I was so proud. He's the first person to take the Mensa test, like the IQ test, in the family. I was actually a little concerned. He always he has always gone into a half full of kit into a hall full of kids to take tests. We thought he might be intimidated by the adults, but he did brilliantly. Yusuf is interested in geography and flags. No, you gotta change that. But math is his passion. Fine. IT. Invent something. Go into tech. He should go into tech. If not, he should actually he should go into into fiqh, into deen. Our smartest don't go in the deen anymore. That's the problem. He should go into deen and dawah. That's the problem. So he spends his time doing Sudokus and solving Rubik's Cube and anything that stimulates his brain. His first start, he first started playing with Rubik's Cubes in January and was quickly able to solve all the cubes with ease. You know how to do a Rubik's Cube? Yeah. In the future, he wished to study math at Cambridge or Oxford, but in the meantime, 
he does creative writing. Okay, that's a nice little story to end it on a nice note. After that, Imam basically threw away his career over praising the Queen. Uh, Imam Muhammad Mahmoud, he's young too. Like he doesn't even look older than me. Your dad didn't call you and say stop enough with this nonsense. You're ruining yourself, and over something that is silly, really. Like he he wants to 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 praise the queen so much. Like it's silly. You're just being stubborn for no reason. Look at him, What is he holding? You got a purple heart there from from the queen or something? What is that? <laughs> what is that award that he's holding up? He got an award for being the 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 best puppet imam or what? I don't think it's nifaq. I don't think it's anything except stupidity. He protected, he, t- he protected somebody. And he met Prince William. That's why he's gone crazy. He met Prince William because he got some kind of award, right? And he's the head over heels for the royal family now. What? Because the red on the uniforms and the carpet's so beautiful, you got, uh, it got into your head? Yeah, he's definitely not going to. If I, by the way, you guys should have seen me and Ryan were in the car yesterday. I literally was on the phone. I couldn't understand the person talking on the phone, so I got distracted, and I was at the stop sign. I went through the stop sign, and I'm about to hit a cop. I literally was about to hit a cop. Ryan was like, ho, 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 right? (laughs) And then I hit the brakes, and the cop just U-turned around, pulled me over. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah, I gave a thumbs up, hoping, hoping that he'd be friendly and let me off. But then he put his sirens on. I, I pull over. I take, I got a gold card, right? I got a gold card and I put my license. And I didn't know beforehand how to use a gold card. But a cop told me, just stick it under your license when you give it to the guy. I give it to the guy and he comes back. I literally almost crashed into him going through the stop sign. This would be like a four point ticket. And it's broad daylight. There's no dark. There's nothing. I just was on my phone. So I had my phone. I crossed a stop sign. And I almost hit the cop. And then he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, have a good day. But just be careful, right? That's it. He's joking with you. He's joking with me, man. And I got pulled over two days before. And it was like just turning at midnight on a red. Yeah, for nothing. I got a gold card for the same reason. Yeah. Who'd you get it from, Bilal? No. Bilal right now. Yeah. I need a card, man. No, it's, it's, it was like a shady Shia guy. Yeah? Cop? I haven't picked it up. No, he's like friends with the cop. Right okay. Let's go to so let's go to the open up your phone Oz, and go to uh uh go to, to our Instagram and start reading me the comments. Uh, we just read a ridiculous story about when you weren't here about an Afghan uh, baby that was abducted. Yeah. So a gold card, folks, is basically that you have a relative in the force. I think they call it a PBA, PBA card. PBA card is one step under. Oh, under. A gold card is hard. Oh, it's really? harder than like a credit card. It's like metal. metal. It's all metal. Oh, and it's colored in gold. That's the highest level of friendship you can have with a cop, right? Um, that's, good that's what a gold card is. Oh, yeah. He, he, he apologized. The cop. Himself, he's like, oh, man, sorry for pulling you over, right? How old are you, man? I'm like 42. And he's like, you 42? Oh, you. He's like, no way. He's like, no way you're 40. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't realize the gold card was that good. First time he used it. Yeah, first time. 
In Georgia, Chief Latif says police are ruthless. I could use some gold cards. So a gold card is it's a it's a marker that you're you're close with the uh, with with the police. It's a boys club. They all just want to see like, oh, you know someone, so like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're bros. That's all. Yeah. Is. And and I'm uh, 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 I'm actually a chaplain for the Muslim um, Malia. It's called Muslim oh. Law Enforcement Association. That's what, what it's called. What do you do for that? Nothing. Put my face on a website. I show up to the fundraising dinner once a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And I think I ruined it last time because I didn't know what to say to these cops. I never went in a room with cops, right? And FBI was there, and everyone was there. And I get there for the iftar. My head is pounding, and I get to give the speech. So I was like, I don't know what to say. So I get up there. I said, You know what? I actually took a lot of heat for being part of this because when I posted that, I'm part of Malia. And if you're any, um, if you're Muslim law enforcement, sign up for Malia so you can give them support. They could do stuff together and they could do great things. And all the woke crowd came after me. How could you be part of this? And police should be defunded. I was like, I'm not into what you believe in, right? I'm not all about that. And they went after me. So I mentioned that. And I think just the mention of, of that movement yeah. bugs everyone. It bothered everyone. So, but so I think I screwed Maybe that up. It probably not, but, <laughs> but he's a good friend of mine. The guy, uh, uh, his his kid and my kid are in school together. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. You know him? He had like a lawsuit, right? The, the one that had the lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wasn't treated right. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly. Going to the military to become a cop. You want to hear some questions? Yes. Go. Uh, like on theme or anything. Open QA for next ten minutes. He's gone. And by the way, Oz, you know what you're going to do after this, inshallah? You're going to fix the Wi-Fi. There's a booster right there. Testing, testing. During Isra' wal Ma'raj, how was the Prophet ﷺ shown people being punished in hell when Yom Al-Qiyamah hasn't happened yet? Because unlike us, unlike for us, time is something that is... Uh, two-dimensional for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For us, it's one-dimensional. One way, right? So, um, space is three-dimensional for us because I can go side to side and I can go up and down, right? And I can go in all different directions in space. I could go over to California, I can come back. I can crisscross the earth and I can go up and down, okay? So, space is multi-dimensional for us. But for us, time is one-dimensional, right? Time is something that you can't go back and you can't go forward. You're just driven on a train and you can't move. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's not the case. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what uh, is going to happen in 50,000 years, it's already in his knowledge. And if he wants to manifest an image of that, see, what the Prophet saw was the image of what's going to happen to those people. Adam al-Mithad, thank you. Adam al-Mithad means a likeness. In a sense, what the Prophet saw was the image of what would happen to these people, not the people themselves, because the people themselves are still on the earth, or they're in their grave, right? So he was shown the image of what would happen in the future. That's a good question. Can I bring a group of people to Umrah? I won't have a mahram with me. I'm assuming this is the sister asking. You, you, if you, you mean meeting us at this, on December 23rd at Umrah? Is that what you're saying? Maybe it's just a general question. Can a, like, can a woman go to Umrah 
definitely with a group of people. Definitely Hajj and yes, Umrah with a group of people is permitted. Yeah, and someone's asking mm-hmm. as a Hanafi. As soon as they say that, we should just say no. We're not going to answer. Yeah, that. we don't know that. But it's is there a possibility to go for Umrah or preferably Hajj if you don't have a mahram? Once the answer is yes for the Hanafi too, because I asked um, I asked the Hanafis about that. Your opinion on marrying outside of your culture and tariqah? Um, I think that the easiest of marriages is the marriages in which the culture is similar. Uh, it just it makes things so much easier. Shadow says, I saw, I want to ask, what is it? I saw a debate. I want to ask, what's the position of Sunnis in regards to taking hadith from Omar ibn Sa'd due to his involvement in Karbala? I don't think we have a need to take his hadith. But I, 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 he, I don't know about specifically. But Omar ibn Sa'd was involved in Karbala. Um, so I don't know. But I never saw that there is some kind of need to take it. Uh, go ahead, uh, read me that. Why are there conflicting accounts about the punishment of Quraidha? Were, By the Prophet weren't all able-bodied men executed? Yeah. What's wrong with... Yeah, that's, that's the narration. They committed treason, right? As a tribe, they committed treason. And the punishment for treason is always death. It's always death. In any culture, ever. In every culture, yeah. What's wrong with that? We, we're not killing arbitrarily. We don't support killing arbitrarily just because you're Jewish. But you happen to do something that got you executed, right? Yeah. So. Next. Moab's question. What is Moab's question? Is it permissible to bow a little when greeting elders, as is the custom in South Asian culture? Hmm. It's just like slightly lower your head. Like, uh, and sometimes they do it, and then the, you know, the elder, they'll just like, you know, they'll put Pat their, your head? Yeah, they'll pat your head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it, it might, from my instinct, it would be something that, that we generally don't bow to anybody. We shouldn't bow our it's, heads. It's right? like a physical bowing, but the understanding is it's not like a bow. Yeah. So maximum would be makruh then, right? Max we can say is makruh. Are tombstones allowed in the Madiki method? Yes, you're allowed to mark the grave. But you should not mark it with something elevated. But you're allowed to mark it. You're allowed to build something on top of it for the visitors on top of it too. I've already said, when I die, right, and be buried, inshallah, in the, in the Maqbara to Salam, I want that metal bars and the green light. <laughs> you know that? You, you, did you go and see the graves in Egypt? Yeah. With those cross metal bars yeah, yeah, and the yeah. green light? Inshallah. I told my wife, green light or nothing, right? I want that green light. You want your artifacts hung up as well, huh? You know, you know the artifacts they put. Oh, the, like the yeah. <laughs> the shawl. Of yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> I, I want a waqf for someone to recite Quran and Zilal al-Khairat every day. A do, uh, an endowment. Sharif Antoyo, how do I get a gold card? You got to be friends with somebody who's related to a cop. Wine-based vinegar, is it allowed? Vinegar in general is, is permitted. All forms of vinegar. Because it's completely transformed. Every vinegar goes through a process where it becomes alcoholic. By the way, if you want to support this podcast and you like listening to it, there are 90 of you here. How many are on Instagram? Plus 27. And 
We're about 100 of you here. We basically hang out with 100 people every day. It's fun. I like it. Support the podcast at patreon.com backslash forward slash Safine Society. Patreon.com forward slash Safine Society. And sign up for classes. Another way to support and to benefit is to sign up for classes. Arcview.org. Today is Sheikh Lusama's day. Teaches Shafi Fiqh and teaches the great text Joharat at Tawheed. Okay. Balsamic vinegar. It should not be prohibited. No, there's no prohibition on balsamic balsamic vinegar. Is it appropriate to refer to mutashabihat as metaphoric or rhetorical language? You may say allegorical language. Yes. Okay. How do you refute liberalists on head punishments? Liberals? This is a question from M.M. Firstly, I don't care for their opinion, nor do I want their agreement. That's number one. So I'm not debating them. But number two, let's go look at your liberal states and your liberal cities and how much of a disaster they are. And let's look at your liberal kids who need a smack, all of them. Right? They are the rudest people. You do not know how to do tarbiyah. Yeah, you liberals. No, you don't get yeah, you at all. Because that's for when you respect someone, you say yeah, you Liberals. They have no sense of manners, akhlaq. They do not know how to make tarbiyah. You should never be talking about parenting, uh, keeping law and order, or civilization. You are un- or happiness. Or happiness. You are miserable. Yeah. You all have mental health issues, right? That, in my opinion, 50% of it or more is self-induced, yeah. okay? Because of your faithlessness, your familylessness, and all this stuff. Don't talk. You failed. Just, as I said the other day in the Quran, uh, what is Allah's argument against people of whims? Have you not seen him? That's the argument, right? You should have put that quote. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's the argument. That's it. Not, uh, okay, this makes no sense. No. Oh, you have no evidence. Many other ayahs. Like, don't you think, show your evidence. You're just in speculation. When it comes to you, people of whims and feelings, have you seen them? That's the argument. That's it. Game over with you. So liberals, we've seen enough. And the world has seen enough. And uh, us Muslims are not the only people who are against this. All around the world. Anyone with any sanity left is just dead against this. So maybe in the 90s, around the Bill Clinton era, you guys were the stuff, right? Not anymore. So that's it. All right, go, Rai, go, uh, give me something, or Oz, give me something from Insta. About uh, you know somebody's saying that can you refer to Allah as a body that, that befits befits His Majesty? No, of course not. A body is a jism. That's kufr, right? That is kufr. But like the way debating them is that they just don't do tenzi, right? Like they don't negate what's inappropriate. You you cannot say something blasphemous and then say in a way that befits His Majesty. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a get out of jail free card that erases everything that pr- precedes it. Right. I hate everything about you. 
in a way, in a way that befits your majesty. Yes. <laughs> I, you are belittled in a way. You are limited it's in a way that no befits offense. you. In the same way that we say, exactly. you know, you're so ugly, no offense. Yeah. It's the same thing. Exactly. No, it's very offensive. It's very offensive. You're basically negating majesty, right? You're negating majesty in a way that befits his majesty. There is no majesty in certain things. Lying has no majesty. Making mistakes has no majesty. There's no majesty in having limits. There's no majesty in being bound by time and space. How can he be bound by time and space when he's the creator of time and space? Right? So majesty has limits. You, so you cannot negate the majesty and then say by his majesty. Doesn't make any sense. With all due respect. <laughs> well, when as soon as someone says that, you're in yeah. trouble. Right? Here's a question. Why don't we ever talk about the young awliya of our time? That's because they haven't, their test is not over. And nobody is fixed. Nobody's fixed. A person may seem that they have all the traits of a wali, yet he fails in life, later on in life. So be careful. And nobody should just be um, overconfident about this issue of, of being uh, of wilaya. This is, it's never achieved until you fully achieved until you die. Let's just wait until the person uh, see how they live and die. Right? All right, give me something. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes. So someone is asking uh, in regards to the Quran when Iblis says, Indeed, I am dissoci- dissociated from you. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I fear Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Um, so he fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he doesn't stop his evil ways and he didn't repent. So what is there any lesson that we can learn from this? Like, why, if he feared Allah, then why did he not repent? That's a great answer. And the answer is, Iblis is the, de- that's a great question. The answer is that Iblis is a demonstration of ego. That ego is so bad for you that it, there is even a narration that says he spends 10,000 years in hellfire. After everyone is in hell and everyone's in heaven, then Iblis is brought out. After 10,000 years, suffering the worst of all punishments. Okay? He's brought out and he's given a deal, a, uh, an offer. We end all this, you go to Jannah. On, you need to do one thing that will take you one second. What is it? You have to go to the grave of, uh, you have to go to Adam and bow down to him. Right? He refuses. You've been punished for 10,000 years, right? And you're facing an eternity. And then you're brought out, according to this story, and say, just bow down to Adam. It's all over. All the pain is all over. Just bow down to Adam. And he refused to bow down to Adam. That is the ego. And that's, he's a demonstration that that's how bad the ego is. The ego is just something that will blind a person completely. And that's why the best thing in tarbiyah, I, I message to Muslim parents if you have liberal friends, liberal culture, look at how they do tarbiyah of their kids and do the opposite. Teach the kids about the nafs, about the ego. We don't trust it. We put it down. Putting it down does not mean humiliating ourselves. Uh, what's a way of putting the ego down? For example, you may have a younger sibling, right? And that younger sibling may be right about something and you're wrong. Admit that you're wrong, right? Put your ego down. If you train kids to put their ego down from when they're young, the household is fine. Like 10 people could live in this house and we'll all be happy because the egos are small. But if the egos are big, three people can't live in this house if all the egos are huge. Okay, The egos can be put down by khidmah, by service, 
by forcing yourself to smile at people, by apologizing when you're wrong, okay, by sharing all so many different ways to, to, to put the um, uh, to put the ego down. Amalfi says, sorry if you already got my question. I got disconnected. I'm in a very intense educational program. Found out I'm pregnant. I'm in the first few weeks. Can I get an abortion? In the first few weeks, so that means 40 days hasn't passed yet. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do, to be honest with you, but I have to tell you that the Shafi'iya, look into the Shafi'i Medhab on this. They have a more lenient view on abortion, definitely within the first 40 days, than anybody else. Maliki view, haram. It's haram without a reason. Shafi'i view, they have room for this. So go look at it yourself and see, study the Shafi'i opinion on this. But I'm telling you, the Maliki opinion is tahrim of abortion without a reason. Can I wish to be buried in my hometown no matter where I die? Yes, you can. You can, you can make a dua to be buried in a certain place. Sayyidina Omar said that he wanted to be buried in, uh, in Medina and he wanted to be a martyr. So his wife said, how could that be? Because the battles are all there. How could you be a martyr? And then he says, Allah has power to do this, right? Because it's not logically contradictory. So as long as it's not rationally contradictory, like there is a way to be done, but we don't know the way. You can make dua for it. Yeah. yeah. As long as it's not a logical contradiction, a shara'i contradiction, or a, uh, a contradiction of ada, which we call laws of nature, Right? Uh, Ada, Ada is how Allah created the world. Like you're not saying, oh well, we ask Allah Taala to put this phone up so it doesn't fall on the charcoal. Just uh, defy, defy gravity. We shouldn't ask for things that contradiction of the Ada of things. The, we don't call them laws of nature. We just call it the way in which Allah created the world. Right? It's a big difference. So. Okay, someone is asking. Um, I saw a scholar saying, "I swear by the Prophet ﷺ slipper." Yep. Um, no, we don't. We swear by Allah in His name. Yeah. Well, we don't say shirk haram. Yeah. Haram. It's not the right way to, to swear. When you swear by something that is other than Allah, it does not mean you're believing in other than Allah. It's just your swearing is haram. Uh, we swear by Allah in His names and attributes. Discussion over. That does not decrease anything from the honor of the Prophet. In fact, that's honoring the Prophet because that's his commandment. Who taught us to swear like that? The Prophet Allah swears by anything he wants of his creation. And if he swears by something, it's a mark of, his, of nobility of that thing. Because not everything he created is noble. He created the noble and the innoble so that we can know the difference. For example, he created dirtiness. He created cockroaches. He created mules, Right? He created things that are innoble, and he says they're innoble, such as the, the noise of the mule and the donkey. Yeah. So he created those things so we can have a distinction. He also created a dangerous and ugly creation so that we may know what exists in the hellfire. Prophet Sallallahu said, everything that harms is in the hellfire. Meaning that snakes, there's a, a hellish snake. Uh, vicious dogs, there are vicious dogs in hell. And the Prophet mentioned the dogs of hell. Uh, hyenas, there are hyenas in hell, right? So the Prophet said everything harms is in hell, meaning it has a likeness of it in the hellfire. So if so, if that doesn't make you scared, yeah. right? The, if the hellfire is abstract and it's far away, it doesn't make you scared. All right, think of think of being in a room, just you and a hyena. 
Like, imagine this studio we're in right here, where the door's locked, the windows are locked, and there's you and a hyena. You'll never sleep, right? Uh, and it, and death is killed. There's no death. Neither you nor the hyena will ever die. Like, you're going to go crazy within minutes because you realize, I can't sleep, right? I'll never be able to do anything, and I'm going to get attacked eventually. <sighs> Um, so follow up to the previous question mm -hmm. Like can they put it in their will Or can they specify to the family That if I pass away in such and such country Bring my body back um, And don't bury me in that country Bring it, you know, like transport me back Yeah, it's it's permitted to do that Even if there's a delay But the, the but, burial. but the to delay the burial To stuff it and with all the stuff That is required yeah. To fly over yeah. Is makruh yeah. It's from the makruhat yeah, to do that, we the 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 same salah that you died after yeah. should not be prayed while you're still around. Yeah. So, for example, if you died right after Dhuhr, then the next prayer that is Asr, right? Asr should not that sec that Asr should not be prayed again while you're still above the ground. We should be buried. You should be buried before the next time that Asr is prayed. Like, or you could say. The sun should not set twice on your body. This is a better way to put it. The sun should not set twice on your body uh, after you've died. So that, let's say you die at Dhuhr, but there's reasons for us to be a delay. So the sun is going to set. The whole night's going to pass. Another day is going to come. You've got to be buried within that day. So the sun should not set twice on you. This is from the, from the category of like recommendation. right? And of course, sometimes you can't because there is medical reasons why a person has to be um, um, there's delayed they sometimes they have to just do checks and you have to go through processes all right let's stop here folks jazakumullah khairan subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wal asr innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawassaw bil haqq wa tawassaw bis sabr Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Let's just take this one question. Sirik Falcon says, What's the ruling on a person who says the Rasulullah was a baghi, a rebel, because he did bira uh, uh, against the non believers? And when someone interrupted, he said, I'm doing this to uplift his status. Uh, we say to that person, Let me see your neck right quick. That's the answer to this person. He's saying the Prophet was a rebel because he went against the kuffar, right? So the answer is, number one, that's not even true because he never raised weapons inside of Mecca against the Quraysh. He went and he was invited and accepted the leadership to become the mayor, the governor of Medina, a whole separate city, right? And then when he was a recognized ruler, right, he was a recognized ruler, then he waged a legitimate and open warfare against the Meccans. There's no rebellion. Rebellion means you have no political authority. That's why I result the answer. What do I say? Give me your neck right quick so we can finish how much, you off. How much you want to bet the person yeah. who said this is from the UK? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. All right, folks. Thank you all so much. Jazakumullah khairan. And thank you for, to Habib for uh, supplying his phone here. Right, a lot of other quick questions. Praying slowly, yeah. You shouldn't pray slowly if there's people waiting because they may have to go. 
if you're praying by yourself, it's all you want. Uh, pray as slow as you want, as long as you want. If a person joins in my sunnah prayer, what do I do? You leave him. Maybe it's permissible in his method to do that. How do I attain concentration in salah? Uh, do a lot of dhikr during the day, outside of salah. So when you enter salah, it's easy. What if someone dies between two salahs like dhuhr and asr? Would they be judged to have missed dhuhr? No. No. Wouldn't be. There's a ton of gray area regarding people on life support. Yeah, we can't take that question. I will take that question another time, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. Oh